You're listening to the Charter Nation Podcast. This is the Charter Nation Podcast. You're You're listening to the Charter Nation Podcast. Brought to you by the California Charter Schools Association. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Charter Nation Podcast. I'm your host, Anna Tentakoulis. In this episode, we honor Black History Month by bringing you perspectives from Black charter school leaders who are true equity champions in California's K-12 system. But first, let's hear from some young Black scholars at a charter school in Oakland. Sydney Rames and Julian Reed attend Ames High School, and I asked them who's their source of inspiration. Julian starts us off. Someone that I would look up to is Frederick Douglass. The way he taught himself, he's very, like, confident. He's really confident. Taught himself how to read. He wasn't really scared of anybody because, you know, you could get killed for learning how to read. So he really put himself out there, learned how to read just so that he could do what he wanted to do. And he basically accomplished that. One of the people who I always looked up to when I was a kid was Tiger Woods. Even though he's not doing as well as he used to do, he's still pushing. And that's showing me, hey, you can still, there are plenty of ways to get to where you want to be. And even if you're not at the same level you were, you can still push. Like, it's okay. But yeah, he's taught me a lot about endurance because he endured a lot, especially with the media and all that was happening. You know, learning how to learn from your mistakes and get back up. That was Sydney Rames and Julian Reed, students at Ames High School in Oakland. We'll check back with them in a little bit to find out how Ames is helping students connect with and get into historically Black colleges and universities, also known as HBCUs. And then later, we bring you an audio commentary from a Sacramento County charter school leader who says Black History Month is something we should honor and celebrate all year long. Now, time for Changemakers. Changemakers is our ongoing series featuring influential charter school leaders and allies across the ideological spectrum in California. CCSA's president and CEO, Mirna Castrojon, sits down with these personalities to get their take on pressing issues in public education. Our special guest this month is Dr. Helen V. Griffith. Executive Director of the Preuss School at UC San Diego, the first charter in California established by a UC campus. It opened about 20 years ago and was a radical concept at the time. Fast forward to today, Preuss, which primarily serves low-income students of color, consistently receives national and state honors for its stellar graduation and college acceptance rates. Myrna begins this Changemakers interview by asking Dr. Griffith, also known as Dr. G by her students and peers, how the passage of Proposition 209, which banned affirmative action in California, gave birth to Preuss. Dr. G, welcome to Changemakers. Oh, thank you, Myrna. It is so good to be here with another fellow Changemaker. <laughs> it's our pleasure. Welcome, welcome. Dr. G, you've been leading Preuss as its executive director since 2019, but you've had a long association with the school. How did it happen? What, what were the biggest obstacles and, and opportunities? It was in response to Prompt 209 which was abolished. So without 209, um, the school in their, in their infinite wisdom 
at UC San Diego, the faculty and the chancellor at the time says, we need to come together to put our heads together to see what we can create so that we can fill the gap of underrepresented scholars that will happen on our campus should we not take action. So they came together and designed this charter that would focus and recruit scholars of color who were low income, who live below the poverty level, and also who would be the first in their families to graduate from college. That is amazing. What an amazing opportunity in the political context where that was born, right? There was a need, there was constraints, there's, uh, and there's a vision. What did the school do to reach out to low-income, underrepresented students of color and build trust with their families? Once the word got out that it was a, affiliated with UC San Diego, it was on the campus of UC San Diego, it was a pipeline to UC San Diego and a promise. They called it the Preuss Promise. If you entrust us with your scholars, then we will promise that we will prepare them to be the first in their families to cross that finish line. And families believed it. So the school went into the neighborhoods to recruit. They went to where they pray, play, and and have fun together, work, um, to all the community agencies and partnered with many other organizations where they were making sure that the word got out in the community. And so Myrna, in the first few years, and even to this day, a waiting list has persisted of more than 400 scholars. That means we need to replicate. Absolutely. And I am so glad that you uh, are addressing the issue of quality and trust and building community. Because even the way we talk about opportunity and barriers to opportunity, there's almost a presumption that there's some sort of deficit or a gap that we need to overcome and that there are opportunities out there, but uh, especially immigrant or low-income families, black and brown students, we have to reveal it for them. But when it comes down to it, if you build a high-quality program, it speaks for itself, and that is not a challenge of the families. It's about the lack of opportunity of options that really speak to their vision, their desire for continued success. Nobody in their family wants their kids to not succeed. No, they send us their best and their brightest. That's exactly right. (laughs) It's up to us to continue to polish and perfect and prepare so that they can realize their dreams. Well, let's talk about those good things that are coming out of San Diego. This year, U.S. News and World Report ranked Preuss as the number one high school in all of San Diego and number five in California. Let's let's talk a little bit about this model of success. As I shared with you before, we're not a college-going culture. We are a college culture. When they step on the campus, they're on the campus of UC San Diego. Um, we are fully indoctrinated um, as a member of the UC San Diego organization. Um, for the scholars, that means, of course, they're on the campus. They have access to the greater side of campus. We just crossed the bridge. And we're over there by the dorms and we're in the buildings and we're by financial aid and we're by the Price Center and that amazing Geisel Library, the medical school and everything that is on that campus we have access to. And they get to do that as early as sixth grade. They get to go to the Scripps Institute and study science along with the researchers at the Science Institute. Um, We're now forming partnerships where they'll have concurrent college courses to make sure that they can leave us with at least 12 credits from UC San Diego so they can transfer them to any other school or hopefully transfer them when they go to UC San Diego. And the, uh, probably the one thing I'm most proud of is the Chancellor's Associate Scholarship Program. Our scholars, when they get admitted, will have a full ride to UC San Diego and they fundraise to make sure that that happens. It's not just our school, but they were the first school in the program to be, uh, to be a part of CASP. 
We have our own development officer that's devoted just to Proise. So the relationship is extremely phenomenal. So why don't we have more? We got to make more. Many times these visionary ideas, especially those that break these longstanding uh, silos, uh, folks are skeptical because it has never been done. But pioneers like you show that not only can it be done, others can do it too. You should know that I will try every doorknob. I will try every door until it doesn't open. But if you don't try the door, then it will never open. So many of these partnerships and collaborations have been because we have called, we have asked, we've set up appointments. We said, what do you think about this concept? What do you think about this idea? And I can tell you 99.9% of the time, it's a, let's do it. This is an amazing opportunity. Let's get it done. And the, and it's quite fulfilling and rewarding, but it, it is hard work. But we'll pay that price gladly so that we can, like we say, leave price better than we found it. So what is next for Proyster? I would love to, of course, cultivate the idea of campuses throughout the state of California at the UC. I've had conversation with um, UC Riverside because they were looking at the model to develop a partnership with UC Riverside and then Riverside Unified. And I believe what's next should be that cultivation and working at the state level and working with all who will listen to um, the opportunities that can happen at all UC campuses. Um, secondly, I would love to see a TK-5 school in the community um, where we could cultivate not only a longer runway for Proyce, but to raise all boats and have all boats float. Because when we send a high prepared scholar out of fifth grade and we have five to 800 fifth graders, we will raise the boat for, every, for the entire community when we're making that impact at a, at a younger age. Absolutely. So let's take it a, a little bit more personal. You've shared with me that your scholars call you Dr. G. How did you earn that with them? Well, I told them when I first met them on, my, on day one, I was able to introduce myself. And I shared with them that I'm here so that they can stand on my shoulders and do better than I've done. I shared with them that I'm from the neighborhood, but I've opened three schools, the only educator in San Diego to have done that. I shared with them that I earned a doctorate degree from San Diego State and a master's in educational technology and a bachelor's degree from the University of California in San Diego. So I told them if I can do it, you can do it. And they have the ability to learn and do whatever they can do and be and dream. And just really let them know too, I always tell my scholars, I love you and I'm here to support you. I'm here to listen to you because your voice matters and you, you make a difference. So when you walk around the campus and look around at the students and teachers, what thoughts go through your mind, Dr. G, after serving for so many years as a Proyce leader and being a San Diegan committed to community? Wow, I see, I see hope. I see brilliance. I see the opportunity for this next generation to really solve some problems that we have not been able to solve. I see so many leaders, budding leaders, on our campuses when I walk through the doors of Proyce. And not just in our scholars, but like you said, every part of the village, every part of the learning community, I see so much promise for leadership and positive transformation because of the work that we're doing together in community. So I see a bright future and it inspires me to get up every day and keep doing it all over again, to dig deeper and to bring some more along, to lift as we climb, teamwork, makes the dream work right together. Everyone achieves more and we want to go farther. So we go together.
That was Dr. Helen V. Griffith, Executive Director of the Preuss School at UC San Diego. She has over 25 years of experience as an educator and principal. She was speaking with Mirna Castrojon, President and CEO of the California Charter Schools Association, as part of our ongoing series called Changemakers. You're listening to the Charter Nation Podcast. I'm Anna Tentakoulis, your host of the Charter Nation podcast. Thanks for listening. Now, let's venture north to the Bay Area and visit another charter public school that is truly advancing the academic excellence of its Black students. Ames High School is located in downtown Oakland. Ames graduates 100% of its seniors, and all of them leave high school with a college acceptance letter in hand. That's because Ames is a college-ready charter school. Students have access to A through G courses, AP classes, and through a special program, they can even take college courses while attending high school. So what is it like to be a student at Ames? For that, let's bring back Julian Reed and Sydney Rains, the two students we heard from earlier in the episode. Sydney is a sophomore at Ames High School. Julian is a freshman, and he says Ames sets high expectations for all students starting on day one. The work is harder. They give you way more work. You have, It takes time to understand it. The honors classes definitely challenge us a lot more, and I take community college classes. So I like to hopefully skip years of college by doing community college classes now because I don't want to be in school forever. Yeah, I feel like I need college to do what I really want to do. So without college, I don't think I could be the best person I am. That acknowledgement that education leads to positive transformational change is the driving force behind AIMS, which also operates in elementary and middle school in Oakland. A large percentage of its students are African-American or of African descent. The school's educators do all they can to ensure these students get an equitable education that includes bringing college recruiters onto campus. They're here to recruit you. They're here to tell you about their organizations, their colleges. They have everything from anthropology to zoology, from business. I recently attended a college recruitment event at Ames in its auditorium. 30 recruiters from historically black colleges and universities, also known as HBCUs, decorate their tables with colorful banners and pennants. A long line of seniors with resumes in hand wait anxiously in the hallway. Savannah Lee is the first in line. And all we know is that we need to dress formal, bring our resumes and bring our transcripts and just be ready. And so are you? A little bit, but I'm I'm ready enough. After four years of hard work at Ames, now she's eager to find out which universities will be a good fit for her. Savannah's end goal is to be a healthcare professional. A nurse, you know, registered nurse, traveling nurse, nurse of any kind, or like a therapist. So if I don't go to college or like get, you know, like the education that I need to, then, you know, I kind of won't really be at that point that I want to get to. So I have Savannah right here. What do you want to major in, Savannah? Uh, psychology. Psychology. Everybody with psychology, raise your hand. Some of the recruiters come from big institutions like Howard University in Washington, D.C. Others are with smaller colleges. 
The majority of HBCUs were established during the early 19th century. Ames K-12 Superintendent Maya Cadiz-Woods says she's committed to bringing this expo to campus because HBCUs are still viable options for black high school scholars. HBCUs were actually founded because we as African Americans, black folks, were not allowed to go to other colleges. So what did we do? We didn't let it stop us, much like the charter school movement. We are now providing that exposure to our students uh, for a school that may fit their need and definitely is willing to give uh, scholarships and support. The most amazing thing about this HBCU College Expo is that upon reviewing students' GPAs, resumes, high school credits, and college applications, recruiters can actually offer acceptance letters to students right there on the spot. Some even hand out scholarships along with those letters. Yubadenobi Iganu scans the auditorium for Morgan State University. He toured that campus in the fall and was impressed by its academic programs and campus culture. I believe that a college education is important. It puts you on a path to be successful, gain money. Hopefully, I get to make an impact here. So. When he spots the Morgan State recruiter, he flashes a smile and hands her his resume. So Morgan State University is located in Baltimore City, Maryland. We are considered the largest HBCU in the city of Maryland. We have about 9,000 students. Not too far away is Savannah Lee, and she also has a big smile on her face. Two of the colleges here offered her letters of acceptance, and one of them sweetened the deal with some scholarship money. I got a $12,000 scholarship for $3,000 a year. Yeah, you know, immediate acceptance. I mean, I'm happy with that. I'll take it. Dr. Teresa Price, founder and CEO of the National College Resources Foundation, which organizes the expo, makes it a point to visit each high school along with the recruiters. She says her job is to make students feel valued and appreciated for their hard work and perseverance. That's what it's all about. We're bringing opportunities. It's about love, it's about unity, and it's about education. I got into Morgan State. That's crazy. And that's Yubadenobi Iganu, the high school senior I was tagging along with earlier. He's holding a letter of acceptance from Morgan State, one of his preferred universities. I thought I was just applying. I didn't know I got it getting in. <laughs> Each senior who attended the event was accepted into at least one of the 30 HBCUs at the expo. On top of that, $3 million in scholarships were offered this time around. We'd like to thank Ames High School and the National College Resources Foundation for letting us tell this amazing story. If you'd like to learn more about Ames, check out its website at amesk12.org. For more information on the HBCU College Expo, head to thecollegeexpo.org. You're listening to the Charter Nation podcast. Let's move on to the next installment of our audio commentaries called My View From Here. Jason Sample is the superintendent of Gateway Community Charters in Sacramento and Yolo counties. As a prominent Black charter school leader, he has some thoughts about how we should collectively honor Black History Month. He begins by talking about how he's working to bring equity to education. My goal in life is to get us all to become equity champions, where we realize our space and our place in the world and why 
this is so important to our future. So one of the areas that I really try to help push that is within our schools. We have three of our schools that are international baccalaureate schools. And so how do we utilize IB to teach our students to be global citizens? In terms of our staff, utilizing a lot of Michael Fullen's work of the intersection between academic achievement, social emotional learning, and equity. For me, it's taking and pushing our system to think outside of reading, writing, arithmetic and saying, how does equity impact all of those things? The work is messy, and I tell people that it's messy. It's not a, a cut and dry where you can say, all right, here, here it is. This is equity. These are the rules. It's messy because it's our feelings. It's our emotions. It's all there. What gives me the most hope is our kids. You can look into their eyes and their hearts, and you see that they want to explore more. They want to engage more. They want to learn more. And then the next thing that gives me hope is the adults who are embracing the messiness. You know, when you think about Black History Month, uh, I think it's important to kind of say that we all own Black history. We all own this, the, the, the knowledge, the learning. I think for my, my message, and it's, it's something that I've shared within my own organization, I share within our community, is this is not just a month to, to have like a, an essay or a poster on some Black leaders. This is really a month for us to embrace some of the movement that they were trying to do. So we talk about Thurgood Marshall and the work that he did as the first Black Supreme Court justice, but it's the message behind Justice Marshall's work. The fact that he wanted to create uh, an equal footing, a civil right, and that education by itself is a civil right. I'm in the charter school movement because I think this is a civil right. It's a right of families and kids to have this option to choose where their students, where their child can receive the education and who can meet their educational needs. So this month, I want us to focus on these heroes, but I want us to live with the message that they were teaching us. Because let's be honest, when they were doing this work, they didn't see themselves as heroes. They saw themselves as champion of cause. And today we're benefactors of that cause. That was Jason Sample with a My View From Here audio commentary. Jason is superintendent of Gateway Community Charters in Sacramento and Yolo counties. To learn more about his schools, visit gccharters.org. That's it for this special episode of the Charter Nation podcast. Tune in next month when we honor Women's History Month. Our special guest is one of the state's most fearless female leaders, California Secretary of State, Dr. Shirley Weber, also a fearless public education advocate. And my father told me over and over, you get an education because that's one thing that racism cannot take from you. That when you get that degree, it will open doors and you can stand eye to eye with those who look at you differently. And you can transform not only them, but everyone around you. That's next time on the Charter Nation podcast. And just a quick reminder, our monthly episode drops on the second Thursday of every month. So make sure you subscribe so you can tune in throughout the year. 
I'm Anna Tintopoulos, host of the Charter Nation podcast. Thank you so much for listening.